God's word is the foundation of our faith. It is our standard and final authority. This lesson is designed to teach us the inherent power in his word and motivate us to make his word continually reside in our heart and mouth. We also learn the three steps in meditating in God's word. Meditating in God's word is something all of us believers must practice to have the word of God produce in our lives. Don't miss the simple and yet very important teaching. If you brought your Bible, please hold it in your hand. Let's stand to our feet. Uh, we're going to make a declaration and then get into God's word together. Let's say this out together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him... I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. you may be seated. This morning, uh, we're continuing on our foundations, track one. We've been doing some very, very basic topics uh, over the last several Sundays. We talked about the nature of God, the assurance of salvation, or salvation itself, and then the assurance of salvation, forgiveness of sins. Uh, we talked about prayer, the basics of prayer. We talked about praise and worship. Uh, and this morning, we're going to deal with another very simple topic about God's words. God's words. And uh, essentially, a lot of what I'm sharing with you, we have learned, we have studied before. I'm sharing it to you from one of our publications that are available as well. Uh, you can pick up our free copies of publications. Uh, and there's a publication called God's Word. It kind of covers much of what I will be looking at this morning. The Word of God is very important for us as believers. It is the foundation for our faith. It's the basis for what we believe, what we live, what we practice, what we do in our Christian life. It's a foundation of our faith. And so we need to uh, just lay an understanding of what the Word of God is. To begin with, all of us must understand that the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible, what we call as the canon of Scripture, is the inspired Word of God. So when we look at the Bible, we don't look at it as just another religious book. But it is... The inspired words. That's what the Bible claims for itself. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 15, 16, 17, Paul says, Timothy, from a young man, from a young boy, you've heard of the scriptures. All scripture, uh, verse 16, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, it says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. That means this word is God inspired, God breathed, 
God was behind it. He was a source. He was the inspiration of the Bible, the word of God. Now, which means that when you and I read the Bible, every story that you read in the Bible has a divine intent behind it. Everything that's recorded in scripture is recorded on purpose, divinely purposed. It's not there by accident. It's not put in there by, you know, I couldn't. Somebody said, well, let me put the story in there. No, no, no. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. God breathed into it. There's a reason why it's there. In the Bible, you'll read about man's, some people's failures. They messed up. They did some wrong things. And sometimes you feel embarrassed. Whoa, this kind of a story is in the Bible. Why is it there? Well, it's there by divine intent for us to learn something. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Amen? Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 says, Knowing this, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. That means... It wasn't like somebody stood, sat up and you know, imagined something and they wrote these stories. It's not of any private interpretation. But it says, holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So all of scripture was given to us through men, through people who were moved or inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so when you approach the word, when you approach the Bible... You approach it as this is inspired word. It's everything is there for a reason. God put it there and I need to learn from it. I need to receive from that word. You know, even the book of Numbers, probably the most boring book in the Bible. You know, the book of Numbers. You read about it, it's like, God, why did you put it in here? It's all about how many people were in each tribe and which side of the tent these tribes had to be positioned, when they had to move and how they had to move and all of that. And so... You know, usually I used to read the num- book of Numbers and skip, you know, okay, glance through the chapter, skip, glance through the chapter. I used to do that uh, because it's so boring. And then suddenly I realized, I think, God, why did you put this book in the Bible? And suddenly one day it dawned on me that I can actually learn something about God from the book of Numbers. It's going to teach me something about God. And I realized the reason this book is here is telling me that God is a God of order. He's a God of detail. I mean, he had everything organized. He didn't say, come on, look, taloja. I mean, just get up and go. You know, we're going to the promised land. Go as you want. No. He said, look, we're going to the promised land, but you've got to get there in proper order. You've got these tribes planted on the east of the tabernacle these tribes on the west and these tribes on the north and these tribes on the south and this is how you got to march when you hear the sound of the trumpet these are the tribes that are going to rise up first and this is how you're going to move and everything was detailed and this is how they moved toward their land of promise it wasn't like everybody just got up and went on their own no there was order there was organization there was detail and so it taught me something about God, that God's a God of order. And, and, and He wants us to walk in proper order as we journey with Him. Amen? So, and when you read the Bible, there is divine intent in everything that you and I see in Scripture. Another important thing about Scripture is this, that script, the Scriptures is our window into God. 
That means when you want to understand God, when you and I want to discover who God is, we look at Him through the Word of God. It is God's Word that reveals God to us. Now what's on the other side of the window is infinite, limitless. But you've got to be careful that you look through the right window. Amen? And for you and me, we've got, the Word of God is our window into God. We look at God who is infinite through the window of His Word. Now why is that important? Because there are a lot of people who will invite you and me to come and peep in through other windows. And you don't know which direction that window is pointing to. It may not be toward God. It may seem like it's God. But for you and me, it's the word of God that is our window into God. God's word reveals God to us. The psalmist prayed in Psalm 119 verse 18, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your words. So when you read the Bible, you say, God, open my eyes. Now many times, and this was in the early days, I used to tell people, you know, reading the Bible is like sailing on the ocean. For many of us, it's such a boring thing. Water everywhere. So boring. But if you want to see the beauty of what's in the Word, you've got to dive into the ocean. You've got to get deep in. And you're going to see amazing things, what you can't see on the surface. Amen? So many of us are just on the surface. Man, this is so boring. Listen, dive in the Word. Pray and say, God, open my eyes. I want to go deep sea diving, God. I want to go deep in. See all the amazing treasures that are hidden in the Word. Open my eyes. That I may behold wonderful things in the word. The word reveals more and more of God to you and me. Now, it is true that God is bigger than his word. So the word does not describe God completely. It is true that God is infinite. This book is finite in the sense that it has 66 books in it. So God is bigger than the Bible. You and I will have many surprises when you went to go to heaven. You say, God, how come you didn't describe that in the Bible? And you'll see so many things that, that is not written for us in the book. And I'm sure we'll find, discover so much more about God in heaven. But for now, for our journey on earth, this book is enough. This is the window we look through to discover our God. The Bible, the scriptures is also our standard. There are many standards that you and I could live our life by. You could live by earthly standards. You can live by some philosophy. You pick up a book on, I don't know, some new age thing. And you say, well, I'm going to live by those philosoph that philosophy or those principles. But for you and me as believers, the word of God is our standard. This is how we live life. This is how we conduct ourselves. This is how we... Journey through life. It's our standard. The psalmist said, direct in Psalm 119, verse 133, direct my steps by your word. Direct my steps by your word. The word of God is our final authority. So this word is absolute. I go with what it says. It's final authority. When I have to make a choice and the word of God instructs me concerning something, I submit to the authority 
of the words. It's final authority in my life. For us as believers. Psalm 119, 101. The psalmist said, I've restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. In other words, I don't wander off on either side. I bring myself, I want to keep your word. Because that is final authority in my life. The word of God is also the basis for our faith. It's the source of our faith. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So God quickens that word to you and you believe that word. It's the basis for your faith. Why do you believe what you believe? It's because in the word. Why are you so confident that this will come through? Because God has given me a promise in his word. The word is the basis of our faith. Amen. And the Holy Spirit will quicken that word to you and me. You're going through a certain situation. He quickens that word to you and says, God is speaking this to you right now in the situation. That births faith in your heart and you're confident of the outcome. Because the word is the basis of our faith. Amen? Uh, We must move from revelation to action. So it's not enough to just read the word or hear the word. We must move from knowing the word, receiving revelation of the word, to being doers of the word. Amen? It is good for us. You you come on Sundays and you hear the word, you listen to the word through the week, you read your Bible, and that's all good. But we have to move from revelation to action. So the Bible tells us, don't be just be doers of the word and not hearers only. So you and I take the word of God and apply it in our lives. Two of the important aspects of the word of God is its purity and power. The purity of the word of God and the power of the word of God is something you and I must understand. You know, the Bible teaches us in Psalm 138, and I think it's verse 2, it says that God exalts his word above his name. You and I know the names of the Lord. Described in the Bible, the names reveal who God is. But God has exalted his word above his name. Meaning this word that he has spoken, he regards it more important than his own name. Than his own reputation. That's how highly God esteems his word. And we reverence the name of the Lord, we honor the name of the Lord. But God says, I exalt my word above my name. Meaning, I'm putting everything that I am behind my words. So the purity of God's word is unquestionable. God's word is pure. It is truth. Jesus said, John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. So when you and I read the Bible, we approach it like this is the inspired word. It's my window into God. I'm going to see God through this. It's my standard. It's absolute authority in my life. When I read it, my intent is to go from revelation to action. But also when I read the word, this is truth. I can count on it. I can depend on it. I can put my whole life on this word. Amen. You don't approach it like, oh, this is Pastor Ashes. He wrote something. I don't know whether he writes right or wrong. You know? No, it's very different from that. This is the word of God. It's truth. You depend on that word. And not only that, the word of God is power. 
The word of God is a carrier of the power of God. So the word of God has been designed to release the power of God into your life and mine. So many of us say, God, I want your power to work in my life. And one of the most important ways that God's power is released in your life and mine is through his words. Amen? It's like when you are connecting with the word of God, you're putting yourself, you're plugging yourself in into God's source of power. His power will work in your life and mine. And you are familiar with these verses of scripture. Hebrews 4 and verse 12. The word of God is alive and full of power. The word of God is full of power. Hebrews 11 and verse 3 says. By faith we understand that the heavens were framed by the word of God. All of this universe came into existence by the word that God spoke. So here's what I want you and I to grasp. That that word, if it created this universe and it's alive, that means it hasn't lost any of its power, it can also create in your world and mine today. What is not in existence in your life can be brought into existence by the word of God working in your life. Are you with me? Maybe right now healing does not exist. There is pain, there is sickness. What you need? You need healing to be formed, to be fashioned, to be brought into existence in your body. The word of God has the power to bring into existence what does not exist. Do you believe that? Yes or no? You need to think about it. <laughs> the word of God's alive. And full of power. This word brought this entire universe into existence. It can bring things into existence in your life and mine. Hebrews 1 and verse 3 says that this entire universe is sustained or regulated by the power of his words. Hebrews 1 verse 3. He upholds all things by the word of his power or by his powerful word. That means this entire universe is kept in place by the power of his word. So here's what I want you and I to understand. If this universe is sustained, regulated and upheld by the power of his word, then definitely your life and my life can be upheld, sustained and regulated by the power of his word. My life is infinitely small compared to this vast universe. And if there is enough power in the word to uphold all things in its place, then definitely there is sufficient power in the word to uphold my little life. Amen? So there's power in the word of God to uphold your life. You say, everything about me is falling, crumbling, coming down. I don't know how I'm going to go through life, listen, there is power in the word to keep your life together, to pull you, to regulate things in your life, to make sure things go the way it should be going. But the key is for you and me to plug into the power of God's word. So the purity and the power of the word, we must be convinced about. 
It's pure. It's truth. I can count on it. It's powerful. It can create in my life. It can regulate in my life even today. So I go back to the word and I see what's in the word. It's not in my life, but it's in the word. If it's in the word, it can come forth into my life. Amen? Now, the next part is the practical side of what do we do with the word of God. I want to talk about God's word, the miracle seed. And I want to talk about meditation in the word of God. Because it's through understanding this truth that God's word is the seed. And how to take that seed and cause it to germinate in our hearts through the process of meditation. That you and I are going to experience the power of the word. Otherwise, it's going to be a good book from which we hear lots of sermons, but it's not changing my life. Why? Because we have not understood the truth of the the fact that God's word is a miracle seed and there is this process of meditation by which that seed produces in my life. So we want to spend some time on that this morning. Let's talk about the fact that God's word is the miracle seed. Jesus brought this to us in the parable of the sower or the story of the sower, uh, which you all of us are familiar with. He said, you know, the sower went out to sow some seed Some seed fell on the wayside and the birds of the air came, picked them up. Some seed fell on stony ground. These seeds began to take root. But because there were stones all around, the roots couldn't go deep. So the plants eventually withered and died. Some seed fell among thorns. They began to grow, but the thorns choked them. And these crops withered and died. But some seed fell on good ground and they produced fruit. Some of them produced 30 times, 60 times, 190 times, 90 or 100 times. They brought forth fruits. And Jesus said, if you understand this parable, you'll understand all the other parables I tell you. It's pretty simple. Here's what he said. He said, the seed is the word of The seed is the word of God. God's word is like seed. Now, many of us are familiar with seed. You've probably held some kind of a seed in your hand. Now, the seed itself looks very lifeless. It looks dormant. Some of it looks uninteresting. But the fact is, inside that seed is potential to grow into something big. And produce a lot of roots. So is the word of God. And that seed has been designed to produce where? Not somewhere outside, but in your life and mine. God's word has been designed to produce in your life and my life. Amen? Some important things we must understand. There is nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is perfect. It is God's word. So the seed doesn't, if if there is no produce, it's not the fault of the seed. Because the seed is good. It's pure. It's full of power. It's been designed to produce. 
So you and I must understand how to cause this seed to come into our hearts. The ground, Jesus said, is the heart of man. It's your heart. It's my heart. So you and I must learn how to bring that seed into our hearts. Make sure our heart is good soil so that this seed of God's word can produce in our lives. Amen? The other thing you and I must understand is that every seed will produce after its own kinds. Meaning... Healing seed will produce healing. Seeds that promise you blessing will produce blessing. Seeds that promise you courage will produce courage. Seeds that promise you peace will produce peace. Every seed will produce after its own kind. So when God spoke certain words, certain promises concerning certain areas, He did it on purpose. He was giving us seed so that that seed will produce in our lives after those promises that he made for us. So when he spoke things concerning healing, he was giving us seed which will produce healing in our lives. Are you with me so far? So this Bible is actually your bag of seeds. So let's say it together. This is this Bible is my bag of miracle seeds. Amen. So you can take these seeds, put it in your life. It'll produce a harvest. So let's say you need healing. You take the scriptures on healing. Sow it into your heart. And it will produce healing. So how is it going to happen? Let me ask you, when the doctor gives you a little white thing called a tablet and he says, you swallow it and you'll feel better. Do you question him? Do you say, tell me how is it going to happen? He says, swallow it. (laughs) So you and I have faith enough to swallow that little white thing. You haven't tested it before you Swallowed it. But you and I always have faith enough. We swallow it and we're expecting it the outcome. So why can't we have at least that amount of faith, definitely much more faith, in the word of God? That we take those seeds of healing. Or maybe you're going through a difficult time financially. Take the word of God concerning your finances. Put it in your heart. Because that seed will produce its harvest. Anything in the word. It's your bag of miracle seeds. Take it, put it in your heart. Now the four kinds of soil that Jesus spoke about. He said one is the pathway, the wayside. He said if anyone hears the word but does not understand it. Then the devil comes and takes it away. So the devil knows the power of the words. He's hanging around. Waiting. If anyone doesn't understand it, takes it off. So, it's important that when you hear the word of God, that you receive a revelation of it. Understand what it means. When God's speaking about healing, understand what he says. When he talks about the cross, that he's born our sicknesses, our diseases, understand that. So when we understand it, 
then the devil can't snatch it away. Then he spoke about the ground on which there were rocks. He said the seed, some seed fell on rocky ground. And then he said, the seed takes root, but then persecution and afflictions arise for the word's sake. That means when you hear the word of God concerning a particular area of your life, he says persecutions and afflictions will come because of that word. Meaning you'll start facing difficulties and challenges in line with that word that you've been hearing about. So you see, you know, Pastor, until you started telling us that God wants to bless us, I never had any problems. But from the time I started hearing this word on blessing, oh, everything seemed to fall apart. Listen, Jesus said it's going to happen. Persecution and afflictions, meaning hardships will arise for that word check. So you better be ready. I'm not saying you go out looking for it or causing it for yourself. But it will come, he said, for that very word that you're listening, that very word that you're sowing in your heart, there will be difficulties, challenges coming your way. So what must you do? You have a choice. If you let that clog your heart and you get all worried and anxious about all these things and why is happening and you give up on the word then, it, then you and I are like that ground where the, 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 the word is actually taking root but because of all the stones and rocks we give up and the word fails to produce. The problem is not with the word. The seed is good. See, good seeds. It's because we gave up on that word. Because of the hardships. Because of the persecutions or the afflictions that came our way because of that word. So what should you and I do when we face those hardships? Hold on to that word. Don't give up on that word. He said persecutions and afflictions will come for the word's sake. Because of that word you heard. It's going to test Then he said, the third kind of ground is where the seeds fall, but the thorns arise and choke the word. And then Jesus explains to us what these thorns are. He said, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts for other things coming in, they choke the word. So, I have to guard my heart. As I put the seed of God's word in, inside me, I must make sure... That I don't let the cares of this world, the responsibilities, the anxieties, the other things of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things, come in and choke the word. Guard your heart from those things. Now we all have responsibilities in life. We all have desires that we are pursuing. We all want to be rich, otherwise you wouldn't be working. So there's nothing wrong by itself. That There's nothing wrong in the fact that you have responsibilities. We all have to carry our responsibilities. If you're a student, you've got to study and pass your exam. Don't say, I heard a sermon pastor said, don't worry about anything. <laughs> no, it's your responsibility. You have to study, pass your exam. If you're in a, in a place of work, you have to show up there on Monday morning. Go to work. 
Don't say, I will not let the cares of this world affect me. <laughs> no, you better go up. <laughs> so we have responsibilities in life and we have to fulfill them. We have desires, ambitions, and those are good. Otherwise, we'll not be motivated to pursue things in life. It's good. Riches is good. You want the money, you give it in church. <laughs> you know, riches, you, you, you know, it's, by itself, it's not wrong. But here's the problem. When that becomes more important than the word, when my responsibilities consume me and, and become more important to me than the word, when then my desires become more important to me than the word of God, and when the pursuit of riches becomes more important to me than the word of God, then what's happening? Those things come in and they choke the word. The very thing that's going to propel you into success, the very thing that's going to cause you to prosper, which is the word of God, gets choked in our lives. So while we are going about our responsibilities, while we are going about pursuing uh, the things that we feel uh, we should pursue in life and so on, guard your heart because that's your most important place. That's where the seed of the word of God is taking root, germinating and getting ready to release its power to affect your world. Don't let anything choke the word of God. Amen? Be like the good ground because now Jesus said, on the good ground the seed comes and it produces. It brings forth fruit. It creates. It releases its power and causes things to happen. Now in closing, I want to talk about meditating in the Word of God. The process of meditation is something God has taught us in the Bible. And He has taught us to meditate in the Word. Meditate in the Word. Because this process, meditating in the Word, is what takes that Word, causes it to become impregnated in us causes it to germinate in us so that that word can then produce. If I simply hear a sermon, it'll do me good, but I need to do something more than just hear the sermon. I need to meditate in the truth that was given to me to see that truth produce in my life. So meditation is very important. And for us to understand meditation, I usually break it out into three steps. Step one, step two, steps three things you do for meditation. Number one is contemplation. Contemplation simply means to think deeply on something. To think over and over again, to contemplate on the word. So, what do you do in contemplation? You're thinking deeply on a particular scripture or a theme or a truth. You're contemplating on it. You're thinking over it. So, maybe you're reading a verse and you're going over it over and over and over again. In your mind, you're contemplating on it. Contemplation. To think deeply. To ponder over the words. The second part of meditation is visualization, which is to picture it in your mind. Now somebody will say, oh, 
I don't like this visualization thing. It sounds very new age-ish. It sounds something like transcendental meditation and all those kinds of things. No, no, relax. Who gave you your minds? God or the devil? Not sure. <laughs> Who gave you your mind? God or the devil? God gave us our minds. Who gave us our imagination? God or the devil? God gave us our imagination. He gave us the ability to picture things in our mind, to create those things in our mind even before they can come into reality. So imagination is powerful. It was given to us by God. So might as well use it the right way. And God teaches us in his word to imagine his word. For example, in Proverbs 4 verse 20, he says, My son, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from before your eyes. He says, don't let my word get away from your eyes. Now, how is that possible practically? And you and I cannot walk around saying, got the word, got the word, got the word. <laughs> it's not that. It means that in what you see, what you visualize, what you picture, you always got your pictures painted by the word of God. Visualizing the word. So, in the second step in meditation, second part of meditation, you see yourself in the word, you see the word becoming flesh in you. You see yourself saying and doing and becoming what the word says. For instance, if the word says that, that whatever you do will prosper, you begin to see yourself prospering. Right now, example, maybe your grades are F. A little better, D. But you say, you're meditating in Psalm 1 verse 3, you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You'll bring forth your fruit in its season. Your leaf will not wither. Whatever you do, including your exams, you will prosper. So now you begin to picture yourself, God, that's your word. I see this word producing in my life. I see my grades going better than D. So visualize it. We have faith for C. Visualize C grades. <laughs> if you can move it up to B, visualize it. See it. It's based on the word. This, this is an example. But like that, as you read the word of God, you see it. For example, the Bible says in Isaiah 54 in verse 13, All your children will be taught of the Lord. And they will have great peace. So right now, your little kids may be like little brats, you know. They don't seem anywhere close to being taught by God. What do you do? You visualize that word. You see your son, you see your daughter of living the kind of life that glorifies God. And, and you paint those pictures in your mind. And you have a right to do it because the word says, all your children will be taught by the Lord. And they will have great Visualize. Visions and dreams are the language of the Holy Spirit. He speaks to you through visions and dreams. You speak to him through your visions and dreams. This is important. Visualize. See yourself being and doing and becoming what the word says. However you want to apply it in your context. And lastly, confession. So contemplation, think deeply. Visualization, see it in your mind's eye. And confession, which means to say it with your mouth. You say what God says. Personalize it. 
let's say you have fear and anxiety in a certain area of your life and you're, you're fighting against that fear. So you, you be, take 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7, which says, God has not given me the spirit of fear. So now we begin to say it with your mouth. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Say it over and over again. So how often must I say it? As often as you want. As often as you can. Because as you are saying it, you're meditating in that word. That word is germinating inside you. It's getting ready to produce and it's going to release its power that will dispel fear out of your life. It will bring about transformation. Because there is enough power in the word of God to transform anything in your life or anything in your circumstance. But it's going to come forth as it germinates inside you. Amen? Contemplation, visualization, and confession. You do this with the word. So I want to challenge you and me to give God's word its rightful place in our lives. Every day, if possible, or regularly, take time to read the words. Read it systematically. Chapter 2 comes after chapter 1. So you read chapter 2 after chapter. Now somebody says, how do I read the Bible? Just flip open. Second Chronicles chapter 21. Okay, read. Next day. Flip open. Oh, John chapter 5. Uh, it's okay if you want to do that. God can still speak to you through that. But it's better to read it systematically. Go through it book by book. Chapter by chapter. Don't worry about how much you read. If you can't read 10 chapters, is great. But it doesn't make you a better person than one who reads one chapter. The important thing is that you receive something about God. There are times in my Bible reading, I read only one verse. Say, Pastor, don't you feel ashamed? (laughs) Only one verse you've read. But I got stuck on that one verse for another. And I'm sitting on that verse. I'm meditating on that verse. So I can't go past that verse. Sorry. Sometimes I must spend an entire week on a verse. So in one whole week you read only one verse. But I'm going back to it because the juice is still flowing. It's, it's, it's still speaking to me. And I still need to chew on it and chew on it and chew on it till I can get what God wants me to get at that particular time. Maybe from that one verse or two verses. The point I'm making here is read your Bible. Read it regularly. But don't read it to fulfill a spiritual obligation. Because nobody's keeping account. Oh, did you read your Bible today? You know? Nobody's doing that. It's, it's not helping anybody. The word is meant to become part of us. And for it to become part of us, it requires a little more than just casual reading. Take time to meditate in it. Ponder deeply on it. Assimilate it into your life. Let it become part of you. Because the Bible says, this is James 1 verse 21. He says, 
receive this impregnated word which is able to save your soul. So the, the saving power of God, the transforming power of God becomes available when the word becomes part of you. So it's important to let that word just settle inside you. Sometimes you may read a whole chapter. You may not necessarily get something jumping at you. But you pause and say, what can I learn about God from this chapter? You meditate on that. What can I learn about God through this chapter? What does it teach me about God? Then you worship Him based on that. Say, God, I learned this about you. Right now I'm reading the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a weeping prophet. So every time you get up in the morning and read Jeremiah, you want to weep. (laughs) Because... He gets up and he says, Woe to you people of Israel. You are backslidden, adulterous people. You've gone away from God and you're worshipping all your idols. And it's the same thing chapter after chapter. Jeremiah, for the most part. So, I pause and say, What can I learn about God in this chapter? So God requires His people to walk in obedience. He blesses His people, but He expects obedience. And when people walk away from God in a disobedience, they are necessarily exposing themselves. So I'm learning about God, even though it might be something like, you know, Jeremiah pronouncing judgment on God's people because of their wrongdoings. So you're still learning something about God. Amen. Make this a part of your Christian life, the word of God. It's very important. It's the standard. It's the foundation. It's final authority. Let it direct your life and mine. Let's walk in the light of God's word. Amen? Just take some time here as you stand to make a commitment between you and the Lord. And you're going to spend time with this word. Say, God, you speak to me through this Bible. You'll set some time aside during the course of the week to read and meditate in this word. You learned how to do it. Go practice it. Try it out. Contemplate. Visualize, confess the word. Sow some seeds on purpose. If there's some areas of your life you feel like things need to happen, sow some seeds there. See what the word begins to produce in you. It will produce. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.abcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.